0: anyways, hey, I want to talk to you about uh, prayer this morning. We're we're ending our series called Pray First, where we've been talking about how to pray, and why do we pray, and what's the benefits of it. And and one of the things I want to talk about this morning is about spiritual warfare, about warfare prayers. Because think about this, when you pray, you don't always pray the same type of prayer. There's all different kinds of prayer. Sometimes you're just praying like the words to that song that we just sang. You're praying prayers of praise, like the words of the song that say, you're a good, good father. And when we pray those, kind of prayers, you're specifically telling God that you adore him, that you're just blessed by him, that he is worthy to be praised. Praise, Frankly, when you wake up every single day and you step out of your house in this state on this island, you have something to praise God for, don't you? We live in the most beautiful, gorgeous state in the nation. I'll tell anybody, I'll challenge you, Arkansas, what? Hawaii is better. Right? Come on, you know, like, come on, New York. No, Hawaii is, I mean, we are just so blessed that we, we can go to God in prayer and thank him. In our prayers and and just praise him for all that he is his forgiveness his love is all that he has and we can thank him thank you god for the the house that i live in the the wife that i married the kids that you've given me thank you for my church thank you for my church family my friends for all of those things that you're doing in my life so there's 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 prayers of praise there's prayers of thanks there's prayers sometimes of repentance i'm sorry confession end of the day that's my ritual i lay in bed that's my prayers at night as i'm just going god man, I really was stupid today. I did that. I'm so sorry, God. I let you down. Lord, I confess to you. I don't want to hide this stuff in my life. I thought this way. I spoke these words. I want to confess. So there's times in prayer for that. There's times for all these things. There's time for praying for the needs of other people. Lord, would you bless my friend with this? And all of the, the cards that you write every single week that come in, the praise, prayer requests, I'm praying over those every week. Tammy, Pastor Tammy types them all up, and I get the email, and I'm praying. Lord, supply the needs of this person, of that person, of this person. All different kinds of prayer, but here, there's a time and a place that all of our prayers should include one aspect, which is warfare prayers, spiritual warfare prayers, because we have a very real enemy that's actually out to get us. Because he's an enemy of God, we're God's kids, that therefore makes us an enemy of the devil, of Satan. And so we're going to talk about that this morning, and I'm not trying to freak you guys out, but there are things in life that sometimes take us praying specifically warfare prayers against. And um, sometimes it's just like the coincidental things. Is like, why, why, am I, why am I fighting with someone right now? I don't even have anything against them. There's nothing going on. Why are we so irritable about each other? And you just like, that's not normal. It's not natural. Or why is it sometimes like... For new people that become Christians, they get all excited, they're fired up, change their life, go for God, change the habits, everything. A couple months in, you already start finding all of these crazy temptations, or all these people that never called you before want you back in their world, or, or there's just this, this temptation or oppression all coming on you, and you're like, I thought I was moving towards God and something good was supposed to happen. Where's all this negativity? This doesn't make sense, it never happened like this before. Or you're all ramped up to go to church, you come to church today, ready to hear a word from the Lord and something about the worship is you just don't even want to worship and you don't know why. Or you're sitting here right now and you're mad at Pastor Carl, shame on you. (laughs) But you don't know why, you just came into church and you're just, ugh, you're just super mad and you don't know why. You know what that is? That unexplainable stuff that is not natural. a supernatural, spiritual stuff. There is influences that the enemy has. He's the prince of this earth we're going to talk about, the ruler. God has allowed him to have authority and power on planet earth, okay? And we got to get used to that. And so I want to teach you about that today. I don't want to scare you because the, the problem is we, we go one of two ways. We either under-spiritualize everything and we think psh, materialist point of view. Everything, what you see is what you get. Yeah, I'll see the spiritual stuff when I get to heaven, but here and now, life is what you make it and it's what you see. And you know what happens when you do that? You think there's no war for your soul out there, that there's no spiritual forces? You open yourself up to attack every single day. And you're wondering why, as a Christian, you're never finding victory in certain temptations. You're never, you're never being able to pray against all the negative stuff that's happening to you. And why is it that 18 terrible things happened to you in the past week alone? It's a perfect storm. Why is that happening? If you say, well, just coincidence. There's no real spiritual world out there. You under spiritualize it. You open yourself up to attack. And I don't want to live like that. That's scary. That's a bad place to live in. But the other problem is some of the Christians that over spiritualize it. Now I want to give a little balance because we all have friends that over They're like there's demons everywhere. You better watch out. There's a, there might be a demon under the speaker right now. Like you better watch out. You better watch out. And, and then you, you over spiritualize it. And you think everything is a demon, and every bad thing is a, like you get sick in the middle of the night, you wake up, oh, I got a stomachache. What happened? Oh, I ate Taco Bell, but there was a demon in my chalupa. There was a demon in my Enchirito or whatever, right? And it's like, no, you ate Taco Bell. That's just normally what happens, right? (laughs) Sorry. Like, I love to eat there too, but it just, that's just what happens. Consequences, your consequences, right? guys come to me all the time, like, I broke up with my girlfriend, or my girlfriend broke up with me. She doesn't want me anymore. She kicked me to the curb. and She must have a demon, pastor. I'm like, uh, no, your breath stinks. You're lazy, and you don't return her calls. That's on you. That's not a demon. You guys get what I'm trying to say here? There's people that want to demonize everything and angelize everything. We can go a whole other sermon on that, but today I want to tell you how to pray to find balance because what I believe is a lot of us swing one way or the other at different times, and we need to have a little bit more accurate biblical view of the fact that there's a war going on for our souls every single day, and that God has given us in scripture, some weapons, some tools, some postures on how to pray and be effective to resist that kind of stuff. The kind of stuff that you can't explain, why am I getting into fights? Why did this happen? Why did I get a flat tire, and then my kids funked out of school, and then this, and then all of this stuff happens at one time, you're like, this just is too much, it doesn't make sense. There's literally someone out there. The, the Bible calls him Satan. His name used to be Lucifer, means the morning star of heaven. He was a high-ranking angel in heaven. And he got cast down to earth with a third of the angels in heaven that rebelled and said, we want to be like God. We want to be better than God. And the, the archangel Michael said, no, that, that's not how it works around here. And he, he sent them all. It says this in Revelation 12. He sent them all down to earth. And God has allowed him to have power for a time. Right? Until he returns one day, sets the world straight, defeats him just by the word of his mouth, spoken word, it's going to be amazing. But as for now, we live in a very real world where there's spiritual forces. Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians 6 10. And we're talking about all of this stuff that's just weird in our lives and we can't put our finger on it, it doesn't feel right. Spooky stuff that happens, things we see and hear, and we're like, no, we don't want to believe in ghosts, but we know stuff happens. Look at what Ephesians says. A final word be strong in the Lord and in his mighty Power, Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. In other words, why is he telling us to put on armor and to to stand firm um, unless the strategies are real and that we're going to be experiencing them? So he says, be aware. He's going to come at you with all different ways. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You know what the author of Ephesians, Paul, is saying here is, there is more to life than meets the eye. There is more to your problems and troubles and trials that you're going through than meets the eye. Now, granted, we live in a fallen world because of sin, and stuff just fall apart, falls apart, and there's chaos, and things don't work out. Sometimes it's just a matter of we live in a, a fallen, broken world. Sometimes we did it to ourselves. We ate that Taco Bell we shouldn't have. You know, that's that kind of stuff. Like, I ran out of gas. Whose fault is that? It's the Chevron demon. No, that's you. Um, But there are times when the enemy is trying to throw you off your walk with God or other people, distract you, put fear in your life or, or division or whatever. So it's saying there's more than meets the eye. Therefore, in verse 13, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil then after the battle, whatever battles you're going through, you will still be standing firm. See, we're in a real spiritual war and the right prayers will keep us standing firm. That's what the message is all about today is if we learn to pray correctly and address this stuff, then the Bible says we actually have the power to resist the enemy and he'll flee from us that we can overcome because of the power, the authority, the tools that he's given us. But here's our big problem, and this is what we're talking about today. We have to be aware of it, and we have to know how to do that in order that we can still be standing firm. Does that make sense, guys? I read this in this book by C.S. Lewis, Screwtape Letters, and um, I don't know the exact quote. I couldn't quite find it, but he said something along the lines of, I that as this. The devil doesn't mind if we under-spiritualize, if we under-believe in him, or if we overbelieve in him. Because if we underbelieve in him, we're open up to attack, and he's like, that's fine. Let me keep on working you, pulling you away from God because you don't believe it's real. Or if we overbelieve and we're chasing demons everywhere, then we're just living a life of fear and we're just crazy. Can I just say that? You're just, you're weird. You think that demons are everywhere. And either way, the devil's laughing. The devil doesn't mind if we underbelieve or we overbelieve. What he doesn't like is if we Bible believe. He doesn't like it if we find out the truth in the word of God that says we have power to resist him and to overcome him and to remain standing when he tries to battle us down. Amen? Amen. So today we're going to take a look at scriptures in the Bible, and I can't give them all to you. I've got a lot of scriptures, but there's so many. You need to hear this, okay? If you're about to tune out and you're thinking, oh, it's this kind of church I came and sat in today. Oh, this guy's what? He's all into demons and craziness. No, no. Here's the deal. This isn't Pastor Carl's opinion, this isn't Anchor Church's opinion, this is found throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we live in a world where we're fighting against unseen spiritual forces, and there's many stories and examples and verses in all the way the Old Testament, all the way to the New Testament, up to today's church, where people encounter this kind of stuff and do battle against it. So. This is all coming from the Bible. Did you guys get that this morning? Yeah. It's from the Bible, it's not Pastor Carl's opinion. I just wanna make that clear because sometimes we talk about spiritual stuff and people are like, oh, you're one of those. No, 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 this is, this is the Bible, we need to deal with this. So I wanna give you a few things. Here's the first thing, I want, a thought I want you to know as you go into praying warfare prayers. Now, warfare prayers aren't gonna be all the time and you're just not gonna be just caught up in it, but there's certain things in life you gotta address. Here's the first thing is you need to know the real enemy. What I mean by that is don't take him lightly. Don't ignore the devil. Don't think that like it's, you know, in the cartoons a little devil on one side and the little angel on the other and that's just like your conscience. It's just a joke. He's the red guy with a pitchfork and the horns and like, no, no, we don't take him that lightly. We don't mess around with that stuff. And anything that he may be loosely related to, don't mess around with it. Know that he's a real enemy, that that stuff can shake you up. Here's an example that I have. I use this one all the time, but it's a perfect example to me of not taking the enemy lightly because there's a reason, I'll tell you this. Years ago, when Kanani and I were youth pastoring in Huntington Beach, California, we had a youth group of like 150 kids, 200 kids, and and we had these girls that came and and they came to Kanani one day and they said, can you pray for us, pray for our house? Um, There's like, we think there's like spirits living in our house. And we're like, whoa, wait, hold on, what? That's not good. I was like, no, but they're not bad. They've never hurt us. They're like another family that lives there. I'm like, no, that's, according to the Bible, that's wrong. That's not good. There's either angels or there's unclean spirits, demonic, and people want to call them ghosts, but we know scripturally that it's either angelic or it's demonic. And so they go, well, no, it's just a nice family. I mean, what do you mean a family? How do you know there's a family living in your house? Well, sometimes we hear them and like we hear like we're brushing our teeth in the in the bathroom we hear singing in our ear and there's like nobody there and then other times like my sister wakes up in the middle of the night and she looks down the hall cuz she hears people talking and she sees like a mom feeding her kids at our table in the kitchen, and that's not supposed to be there, and we're like, no, that's not supposed to be there. That's bad. That's, that's wrong. You don't want that in your house, and so we ask the kids, is there any reason why you would be letting it? No, we love Jesus. You know, okay, okay, so Kanani goes to the house. She prays for a few days. No problems, no signs, no hearing, nothing, no seeing, nothing. It's all good. She comes back Uh, they come back to youth group the next week and they say oh Kanani, it's they're still there they're back and they're still making noise and talking and we see them and this and that and she goes okay what is it that you're allowing um into your house to allow the enemy in there or allow that spiritual stuff in there because to some degree you're not serious enough about what's going on do you have anything in your house that would be uh, anything like satanic or other of other cultic or religious or any kind of spiritual power Precisely, do you have any tarot cards? Because teenagers like to play with tarot cards, right? Do you have a Ouija board? Because teenagers are super interested in all that. No, no. And then the one sister hits the other sister. What about under your bed? Oh, uh, and Kanani asks her, What's under your bed? Oh, tarot cards and a Ouija board. What? So she so we go to the house and we're like, okay, we're throwing this stuff away, toss that stuff out. Is there anything around here that just might be some kind of anything? Because Guess what? There's a real enemy out there, and we don't take them lightly. Let's take them seriously. Let's get anything out of the house. Pray over the house again. Anoint the house with oil. Pray over the girls, the family. Guess what? Everything left. Everything's good. Peace of God entered the house. Holy Spirit dwell, dwells there. It's all clean. It's all good. But here's the problem. We take the enemy too lightly. Ah, uh, what's, a, what's a big deal about that little devil tattoo I got on I me? Mean, I'm, I'm not trying to diss you. If you have one, please don't burn it. Don't burn it off for my sake or anything. I'm just saying, that we need to know that there's a very real enemy. Listen to 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. Listen to this. 1 Peter says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world, all Christians, are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. There's a very real enemy, and when you became a Christian, he's your enemy the enemy, Satan, the devil, he is your enemy. He's against you. His whole goal is to keep you from getting closer to God and to jack up your life, (laughs) to keep people from knowing God, to keep you from continuing to live for God. He's very real. He's very out there. And when you became a Christian, you're an instant target. You're the enemy of Satan. Because here's the deal. Here's what I'm talking about today. There's only two types of power in this world, only two. There isn't God and there's a devil and then there's like new age this and there's like evil cultic this. No, you're either on one side or the other. And when you're on Jesus' side, you're in, you're on. And every every other kind of power that's out there in the world that you think is, oh, it's harmless, it's not that big of a deal, there's only two sides. It belongs to the enemy, to Satan. Now, again, I'm not trying to freak you out and scare you, but we need to recognize that there is a real enemy that he's out there. But Here's the thing that you need to know, because I don't want you living a life of fear. I don't want you freaking out, going out of here and just be like scared all the time in your prayers. I want you to know this and write this fact down because you need to mark this on your heart. The devil is not stronger than God. Amen. Amen? The devil is not stronger than God. Look, even what he's called in scripture, even though he's called by Jesus now, this isn't anybody else talking, by Jesus in John chapter 12 that Jesus calls Satan the ruler of this, earth, this world, the prince of this earth. In other words, he has power, he has strong power, and he's influencing everybody in this earth. He's trying his hardest. Jesus says he's that powerful. He's the ruler of this, this world. But here's the cool thing in John, 1 John 4, 4. It says, speaking to us as Christians, you are of God. Little children, you have overcome them, those against God, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. So who's in this world? Well, Jesus said the ruler of this world is Satan. But guess what? The God who dwells in you in the form of the Holy Spirit, whose your body is his temple. He lives in you. He's stronger. You're stronger because you're a child of God than any ruler or force or authority or unseen power in this world. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. See, that's good. The word amen just means, yes, I agree. So be it. Let it be said. Let it be done. Is that, yes, God, we're not going to cower in fear. There's an enemy out there. But man, we have strength inside of us. Here's what I want you to get as we're talking about prayer, warfare prayers. When you pray, don't be afraid. Be effective. That's what I'm telling you today, is when you pray, learn to be effective. And that's what I want you to know, is that the, the little, the little, token prayer that says in the morning like bless my day today god that's not necessarily going to beat down all the crazy coincidences or stuff you're hearing or seeing or irritable people for no reason or or health tragedies and all of this stuff coming at you you got to really know how to to pray and you want to be effective because first john four eighteen says perfect love casts out all fear and god has perfect love for us and us for him and so he's given us weapons is this good so far how many of you guys are just a little bit more interested now in today's sermon? You're like, whoa, I need to hear this stuff. Well, here's the second thing, aside from knowing the real enemy, is that you need to be able to pray in the right spirit. This is really important, really important. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is another set of verses that talk boldly against spiritual warfare. But before it gets rugged and gnarly and it says, we're going to throw down strongholds and we're going to do all of this, look at how Paul starts the chapter. He says, now I, Paul, myself, urge you, and he's about to get into spiritual warfare, but he says, I urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. It's like, whoa, we're going to do spiritual warfare, but we're supposed to take a, a, a spirit of meekness and of gentleness? Then in verse 3, a couple of verses later, it says, we're, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. If you're waging war in the human, you're like, ah, I'm getting ready, I'm going to fight the enemy, I'm fired up. right? You get all emotional, you get like bold, you get like, ah, you go pick a fight. But he's saying that spiritually, We don't need to do that. I think this is really important, the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Before we do spiritual warfare, he's saying this. You don't have to go with big, crazy emotions. You don't have to get all angry at the devil and be like, I'm going to come at you. You don't have to necessarily have pride or arrogance that says, you're done, I'm walking into this, I win, and you're taunting him because there's some people I know that go looking for spiritual warfare fights, right? I'm gonna go into the dark places, I'm gonna do this. You gotta be careful, he's a real enemy, he's got power. Don't mess around with that unless you know you're in the right spirit, you got the right weapons. So he goes, don't go off in, in emotion and pride and anger. And you know people that sometimes pray and then when they think when they're doing spiritual warfare, they gotta yell and so the volume goes up. Or the prayers go long, it goes loud or long, and they got like five hours of yelling and veins are popping ah! basically God in, in the in the Bible Paul is saying, you don't need to do that. Here's the thing, volume doesn't really make a difference in spiritual warfare. Like we think it does, it does you don't need to. Here's the reasoning. With the meekness and gentleness of Christ, we don't have to wage war as the world does. We wage it in, listen to this, God's power, not your emotion. Not your power, not your emotion. When we get emotional, you know what we think we're doing? We think we're helping God by being all aggressive and all of that. And God's going, here's the deal. Paul wrote it himself. When I'm weak, he is strong. I'm strongest when I'm weakest because God's power can flow through me and myself, my own identity, my own emotion doesn't get in the way of God trying to do something here. Here's the deal is you stay humble. You be careful. You have a posture. When you pray against spiritual warfare, you don't have to get all nuts and look ridiculous. You can just come and you can speak against it because it's God's power working through you against that stuff. Is that good? So it kind of like helps you because some of you think that when you pray prayer, you know, prayer warfare, you got to go in. You're like, man, I got to look like that TV evangelist guy. And I don't know. Okay, let's do this thing. Rah! You know, you go in there like we're here to win. And, and basically he's saying, don't do that. It's not your power. It's not your pride. There's an awesome story in, in Acts 19 about these seven yeah, these seven young brothers, well, they weren't super young, but they were, they were sons of a temple priest named Sceva. Yeah, anybody heard this story? The seven sons of Sceva. Here's the deal, if you haven't heard this before. Jesus's followers, his disciples, were going around casting demons out of people in Jesus' name. People were getting set free, right? The, the power in the name of Jesus was coming, and people were getting delivered, and they're like, yes, thank you for getting that spirit off of me. And so these seven sons of this priest named Sceva said, we're gonna do that too. We see Paul doing it. He does it in the Jesus name. We're gonna use that name of Jesus and we're gonna go around and we're gonna like kick devils out of people. And so they went to this one man that was demon possessed, seven guys now. And they said, hey, you need to get out of him and, and try to cast him out. You know what the demon said through the man that he was possessed with? He said this, he goes, oh, wait a minute now. Hmm, I know Jesus and I should be afraid if it was Jesus here. I know Paul, because that guy's gnarly. He's a warrior for God. But he goes, but you guys, I don't know you. Never heard of you. In other words, they were dropping the name, going on the cockiness of the name without having the right spirit, the right relationship with God. You know what happened? That one demon-possessed man jumped on all seven of those guys, went berserk, went bananas, chased them out of the house. They came running out of the house naked and bleeding. Ah, Right? It's one of my favorite stories in scripture. I think it's so funny where pride will get you. And this verse is saying, it's not about pride. It's not about your emotion. It's not about your cocky arrogance thinking, I'm going to go do this. What it is is saying this, God, I can't do anything here, but you can. God, your power is better than me. Your power is made perfect in my weakness. So when you're praying against the stuff going on in your life, know that in your prayer time, you can just come and claim the authority and the power of God working in you. Get yourself out of the way. Is that okay to say? Come with that right spirit because Ephesians 6.14, when it's talking about the actual armor of God, look what it says. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness, which means rightness before God, holiness, set apart, you're living your life right, you're believing in his truth, of who he is. For shoes you put on peace, that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. He's shooting them at you, pew, 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 right? But it's your faith that says, no, I know who I am and you can't touch me. It's a shield. He says, put on salvation, the knowledge that you are saved, you're rescued from sin. Put that as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now I'm talking about having the right spirit, the right character. Five of the six pieces of the armor of God are about your character. Five of them, how important is that? The five of them are about, he, he's about your character. It's saying the truth, the righteousness, the peace, the faith, the salvation is all about you and your character. Remember what I just said about it's important that you have the right spirit, that you have character. Listen, in the Bible, when I read every Bible story out there and teaching out there, character is more important than skill or strength every single day of the week. I believe in our world as well. We ought to look at that and we ought to not focus on the people that look all amazing and charismatic and all of that. That's good. Those are good gifts. But if there isn't character and they don't have the right spirit, then never mind. Uh, David in the Psalms, he talks about two things. It, it, It described David in Psalm 103, I think it is, where it describes him and it said, he led with integrity of heart and skillfulness of hands. That it's not just one or the other. Like you should be skillful. You should be good at what you do. But that integrity is so important. And when you go into warfare, man, it's the inner victory that leads to the outer victory. Amen? It's who you are. Because you're praying, and you're like, why is that stuff not going away in my life? Why, I've been praying. This is spiritual warfare. And the deal is, are you living in truth? Are you living in righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation? Because that's the majority of the armor of God. There's only one offensive weapon, which is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. But do you see how much is about your spirit, your character? Is that interesting? See, people go, well, why is it not working? Well, the question I ask is, why would the devil leave you alone if you keep letting him back in, right? Why were you praying the devil away from you, but the nature of who you are and how you're living is you're giving him areas and ways to just have his own way and giving him a foothold into your life. So it's important the right spirit. Here's the third thing is you use the right weapons. He has given us weapons that we need to know when we pray. These are things that we can use. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. It says we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, okay? Not guns, not bombs, not poison, not whatever happened to that guy from North Korea or whatever in the airport, and poison, right? That's, we don't do that because it's not effective against the enemy and his strategies. We use God's weapons. And here's the first one that is so important. I hope you get this. The name of Jesus. Man, that is a powerful name. Philippians 2.9 says, Therefore God elevated him, Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven. In, get this, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That means it works everywhere. It's like Visa American Express. We take it everywhere. It works. It, it's powerful in heaven. It's powerful here. It's powerful for those under the earth. It says, every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, it's not just about a magical word, a magical name. It's not just when you just say, Just Jesus or Messiah or Savior or the Jews say Yeshua Hamashiach, right? Jesus the Messiah. It's not the power isn't just in the name. What the Bible refers to is the character, the reputation, the authority, the role that is represented in that name. You guys get what I'm talking about? Because seven sons of Sceva, they tried to be a name droppers. They tried to drop it, but there was no relationship with God. There was no authority. They didn't know the full identity. They thought they could do it because it was a magic word, and it didn't work. But the name of Jesus is powerful to be used by those who believe in the name of Jesus. Amen? And so we, we use that name, and we use it often. It's a name above all of the other names, right? You think about it. It's the name above divorce. It's the name above cancer. It's the name above bankruptcy and debt and loneliness and depression and addiction and drugs and alcohol. It is the name above all other names. So when you use that name when you're praying, that's why when we pray, we pray to the Father in Jesus' name, right? It's like we're just sealing whatever we're coming against by someone else's authority that's bigger and higher than you, amen? And so you use that name as often as you can. Use the authority of it. Be a name dropper in this case. Sometimes we tease people that are name droppers like, oh, I heard you know so-and-so. Well, I know this person. and We don't like the name dropper thing. But when it comes to spiritual warfare, be a name dropper. Use his name. Use it often. Get to know it. Speak it out. Know the identity that comes from that. It has a different meaning entirely to you than it does to the devil. Remember that. To you, it means rescue. It means faith. It means hope. It means peace. It means anchor. But to the devil, you use that name, it just means fear. It means like, uh-oh, oh no, whoa, he's using that name? Oh no, he's, he's speaking on behalf of, oh, okay, 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 I give, I give. Mercy, mercy, right? I give up. So use that name often. Here's the second weapon, super important, the word of God. The word of God. He gives us the Bible for a reason. It's full of promises, it's full of love, it's full of truth, it's full of light, and it sets us free from any of that demonic stuff. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is alive and powerful, it's active. It's not just a book. The Bible is not the same as the romance model, novel you're reading right now, or the whatever other like, books you happen to be reading, uh, the quick fix books on how to, how to fix your computer, or whatever that is. You know, what is it? Computer fixing for dummies. You ever, ever read those books, the four dummies books, with the black and the yellow? Star? I'm all about that, because I'm first and foremost dummy. Like, I need to learn. Like, I read that. But you know what? The Bible is the book for dummies, for the spiritual world, for all of us that want to live successful lives. It is the best book. It's alive. It's active. Psalm 119, 105 says, the word of God, Lord, your word, it's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. That means when the darkness is pressing in in this world and there's stuff happening to me that's negative and I don't have explanations or excuses for, why is it so dark, God? You know what I do? I go to the word. I read the word, I memorize the word, I pray the scriptures of the word, I quote it back to the enemy and quote it to myself. And you know what it's like? It's like the darkness is pressing in and I go to the word and boom, it flips on a switch. It flips on the light switch. Think about tonight when you're going for your midnight snack, those of you that aren't fasting. You go for the midnight snack, you go to the kitchen, you flick on the light, what happens? The roaches scatter, right, they all hide. You don't think they're there, but roaches are everywhere in Hawaii, right? No matter what, they're just there. And you flip on the, the light switch and the roaches all scatter. Like, ah, they run and they hide. Except for the one, the big B-52 bomber one. You guys, know, you know those ones that they kind of just like, they cringe and then they look at you and they're like, what? They're like, oh no. And you're like, hey. Beat it, you know, and it just it comes a little bit closer to you, like, oh, no. Because we have those in Hawaii, don't we? Those giant ones, and they'll fly right at your head. They're not even scared, and you're, like, getting your slipper off. You're ready, but you're hesitant because, you know, if you hit it, you know what happens, right? It's like, pack, ugh, and now you get extra work cleaning up the kitchen at 12 a.m. when you're hungry. Now you're not hungry anymore. It becomes a problem. But here's the thing that I know is that when the darkness is pressing in in me and my life, And I go to the word of God, the light comes on. When I speak out the word of God and stand on those promises, then I suddenly realize, wait, I'm not afraid anymore. I don't have to deal with this stuff. God's given me a solution, a weapon to speak against the enemy, amen? Amen. Man, these are good weapons. I hope you guys use these things, but but read it, pray it, sing it. So many of the words that we sing in worship songs are straight out of the Bible or concepts of the Bible. And when stuff starts going on, listen to this. Guy after 7 a.m. service said this. His daughter picked up some stray mutt crazy dog, and she's like, oh, that's going to be my service dog or whatever. He's like, that's not a service dog. You can't just grab a dog and call it a service dog. It has to be trained. So this service dog she brought home was freaking out, and everybody had to chase it all around the house because it wouldn't be (laughs) kept. It wasn't obeying. And so they finally cornered it, and he's trying to be all nice and loving, and he finally gets it, and he's like, hey, come here, buddy, and all of this. And he grabs the dog, and the dog bites him. The dog bites his arm um, yesterday, and I was like, "Whoa, well, what happened? He goes, man, first thing I could think of was the name of Jesus. So I just said, Jesus, and the dog submitted. And he goes, the whole family was tripping out. They all watched it, and they're like, what the heck is going on? He goes, I can't believe it. I said the name of Jesus. The dog submitted. I had authority over that dog. I'm like, wow, that's, I'm preaching that. That's good. <laughs> that's But see, the name of Jesus, the word of God, you speak that to enemies, you speak that to the forces of darkness, man, they have to go. Here's the third thing that's a great weapon, is the power of the cross. Man, what the cross represents, I wouldn't have any power if it wasn't for the power of the cross, if it wasn't for the blood of the lamb, if it wasn't for Jesus giving his own life for mine. I would still be, Carl Moore, born into sin, born into the flesh, living my own life, making my own decisions, mistakes, problems, doing whatever, trying to get by, and at the end of my life, I go with the enemy, I go with the devil, because I said there's only two sides that you belong to. And it would just be me and my own, and anything bad comes along and it happens, I gotta fend for myself. But praise God for what Jesus did at the cross. Praise God for the extravagant love of the Father that said, they're worth it, I'm sending my son down there to do what he's gonna do at that cross, to give his own blood in place for my life. And when you're dealing with that spiritual warfare stuff, man, you pray against the enemy, you rebuke him and let him know that Jesus bought me, that I am now God's kid, and there's not much you can do about it. And even if you sideline me for a minute, I'm still on the winning team and I win because of what Jesus did, amen? Look at what it it says in, in Revelations 1.18, Jesus talking, I am he who lives and was dead, not many people can say that, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. Jesus amended himself in scripture, is that good? He's like, I'm that good, amen. Amen, Jesus, you're good. He says, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. That means the worst that you think, he goes, I hold the keys to hell and death itself. He said, see, from the minute that I died on that cross until I was resurrected on Sunday morning, guess where I was? I was apart from the Father, but I was down snatching the keys out of the the devil's uh, ownership, taking the keys to Hades, hell itself, and death itself. I own that. So I'm bigger, I'm better, I'm stronger because of what Jesus did at the cross. Isn't that cool that we can claim that? We speak that to ourselves that no matter what happens, I win. Let me show you this picture really quickly to illustrate it. See this picture of what this guy has on his hand? that is a hunk of jewelry right there. That is a rock. You know what that is? That's the Denver Broncos 2016 Super Bowl championship winning ring. We got a Denver fan right there, huh? That is a $37,000 ring. Everyone on the team got one. And look at how huge that is. Now here's the deal. Not only is that $37,000, but there's honor, there's pride, there's accomplishment, there is I'm the man because I went to a Super Bowl. And you only need one, right? Some guys got like five now, though. That's like crazy Tom Brady. How dare you? But (laughs) one ring the rest of your life. Imagine you're just cruising in line at the post office and someone's like, hey, um, that'll be $14.95 for that package. And you're like, boom, just drop that on the table. And everyone's like, "Whoa, whoa, hey, Super Bowl. Yep, I won a Super Bowl, right? You're part of the winning team. Here's what I know is that all of the Denver Broncos last year, they got that ring. A lot of them played hard, they fought for it. Some of them probably didn't even play in any of the games. There might be one or two of them that actually got injured and sidelined and had to ride out the rest of the season and the Super Bowl, not even participating. But all that matters is they got the ring and they're on the winning team. You guys get what I'm saying is this, when the enemy comes to try to remind you of who you are and try to bring darkness on your life and try to just bring resistance to you, all you gotta drop is, uh, remember the cross? Remember what happened? Yeah, I belong to him. So my dad can beat up you, okay? Because when your little kid's on the schoolyard and the bullies beat you up, and you're, oh, I told my dad, he can beat you up. That's all we got to say. I might get sidelined for a minute or two here in this game called life, but guess what? My dad can beat you up. And I'm on the winning team because of what Jesus did. Amen? I'm on the winning team. So warfare. It says in Revelations 12, 11, they, aver- they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Just remind the enemy, remind yourself the testimony that you have. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was on my way to hell. I was destined for hell. That's just, what, that's just how it rolls. There's sin, and I deserve hell. But thank you, Jesus, for the power of the cross. Remind the enemy and stand on the power of the cross. Now, here's the last thing I want to get you into your heads is that you need to understand the real battle. What's the real battle? Well, 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, and here's why. To knock down the strongholds. That's the key word we need to look at. The strongholds of human reasoning, and to destroy their false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts, and we teach them to obey Christ. Now, here's the word stronghold. The reason that we fight is to knock down strongholds. In the Greek, it's okuruma, Okuruma means this, a prisoner locked by deception. That means you, you're living by and relying on something that is not true. See, everything about spiritual warfare, ultimately we're fighting against the enemy that's trying to get us to believe in lies, to hear lies that he speaks to us. God is not powerful he can't stop this, this thing is so terrible in your life, you need to cower and live in fear and depression because God is not strong enough to get you through that. That's a stronghold we're believing in lies. That person is the enemy God, I hate them, they're, they're a terrible employee or they're this and they're that, it's not really them, it's the enemy using them, it's what's below the surface to rattle you and to say that you're never going to have peace because this person is such an irritant. Guess what? That's a stronghold and a lie that says God cannot give you the peace over that situation. Like everything that happens, we've got to understand, it's to get people to believe lies. The enemy is called in the Bible the great deceiver. He's not going to do everything at face value. He's going to do things in the physical that have spiritual meaning because he's trying to get you to weaken your faith in God or use that person or that situation to distract people from knowing a good, good father. And so what we need to be looking for is we need to be praying against, listen to this, praying against spiritual strongholds, not praying against the symptoms. I mean this, when you pray, you go after the root of the problem, not just the fruits of what's happening. Because too many times we just battle against the the fruits of what's coming out of it, and the root just continues to grow and to be there. We need to see that the real battle is not what you see is what you get, it's below the surfaces in the spiritual And God has given us a spirit of of victory, of strength, of power, of overcoming. And we can use that if we pray correctly. We're not fighting against people. We're fighting against the devil. And the reason that we fight, as it says right here, the very reason we fight spiritual warfare is to bring people freedom from the strongholds, is to free them from the lies, ourselves included, and to move people closer to Jesus. Amen? The whole reason we do spiritual warfare is because we're trying to, defeat the strongholds that the enemy might set up and get people moving closer to Jesus. Because if you get to Jesus, you win, there's freedom, there's strength, there's power, there's all that. Let me end it by saying this. Why this is so important. Why spiritual warfare, you should care and you should know how to pray against it. It's because most of you that are sitting in this room here today that are Christians, that are on the winning team, somebody was doing warfare for you to be in the place you're at right now. Somebody in your world, in your life, was praying against all the distractions of your mind, of your life, so that God could shine his light in your life, and you could be sitting here today relishing in the kingdom of God and the fruit and the love of the the spirit and the family and all that we have together. Someone was doing battle for you. Now, it's our responsibility to say, we're taking this thing seriously. We're not going to be uninformed, uneducated. We're also not going to be over on the hype side of things, ridiculous and crazy and chasing demons everywhere but we're gonna have a very good logical view that says, I need to know this because I need to know how to fight so that in the end, as it said in Ephesians 6, I will still remain standing firm, holding your sword of the spirit with all your armor intact, living to fight another day. Is that a good word for you guys this morning? Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the tools that you give us. Thanks, God, for caring enough to help us and not just telling us to do it, but telling us how to do it, showing us how to do it, how to be more effective in our prayers and in our lives. Lord, I pray that this morning that we would take this to heart in the way that we pray, Lord, for the remaining days of our fasting and praying together and just in our lives in general, Lord, that we would take the time to recognize that there's a battle, there's a war going on and that there's something we can do about it because you've given us the authority and the strength. And it's in you, God, it's not in us, it's in you. So help us to come with that right spirit as well. Lord, I pray right now for anybody in the room here today that you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. That the way that I put it today, and not trying to scare you, but the reality of what Scripture says is there's only two teams to play for. And that maybe you've found yourself, man, I don't know if I'm fully committed and on the right team, the winning team. And if that's you here today, I'd love to say a prayer with you. A prayer that basically just says, God, I want you. I choose you from here on out. I want to be on the winning team and, and I want to live my life according to you and your plans. And Lord, if I say yes to you, that means that, I'm not just in it for this lifetime, but you saved me eternally and that I get to go with you to heaven forevermore. So Lord, right now, I pray that you would just convict those in the room right now that this is the prayer that they want to pray, that they need to pray. And no pressure, but this is the opportunity, the choice to really change everything. And we're gonna say a prayer that's gonna put you back in right spiritual relationship with God. You're gonna tell him that from here on out, you choose him and you follow him. and, And guess what? He's there for you. He's got your back. He's stronger than any other force in this world, and you want him on your back. He's going to change your life and set you free. And if that's you this morning, before I say that prayer, I'm going to let you know how we're going to do it. Let me just explain it to you real simple. Is I'm going to say a prayer out loud, and I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me, the words that I pray, but you pray it in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud in front of all these people. I want you right now just to, to believe it in your heart, the words that I'm saying. After service... I would love it if you go and you confess to someone, you tell someone, hey, I prayed that prayer. I'm a Christian now. And God loves it when people stand up and are accountable for their relationship with him. But right now, let's take care of the heart issue. I'm gonna say a prayer, and if you wanna pray it with me to become a Christian, to be on God's team and to know it, for him to come into your life and empower you to have victory over all the hardships, then allow me to pray with you. And before we pray, I'm gonna ask you one thing. Everyone's eyes are closed and their heads are bowed because we're praying right now. If that's what you want to pray, I just want to know who I have the privilege and honor of praying with this morning. I'm going to ask you one thing. Would you raise your hand right now and let me know? I'm going to pray that with you right now, Pastor Carl. Anybody in the room, come on, lift your hands. I just want to see anybody's hands that's saying, yes, I want to pray that to receive Jesus. I see one hand over there. Come on, don't be shy. Don't be scared. I see a little hand over here. I saw two hands, three it looks like, four, someone else, five, six, seven. Amen. Anybody else? I didn't see. I got about seven people in the room today. Come on, don't let yourself feeling weird or the enemy right now talk you out of the greatest thing that you'll ever do in your life. Okay, praise God. I saw those seven hands. I want you to put them down and I want you to just pray this in your heart right now. God, I'm here today. Bottom line, I need you. I get it. I want to be on the winning team. I need your help in my life. Stuff happens to me sometimes and I don't know what to do with it. I need some help here. Lord, I believe that your son, Jesus, actually did really 2,000 years ago, come down to planet earth and walk in human form and teach us about love and relationship with you. And I believe that he went to the cross to die for anybody and everybody that would believe in him, that what he was dying for was our sin, my sin, God. I'm a sinful human being, but because of Jesus, he paid the price that that sin is overlooked, it's forgiven, and now I can be in relationship with a mighty and holy God. So God, I believe that Jesus did that, that he didn't just die for me. He did what no one else could do. He rose from the dead, conquered death and Hades and hell itself. So God, from here on out, I believe in that. I receive that gift of salvation that you've made available for me. And Lord, not only this one prayer, it's not a one-time prayer. Here on out, I'm gonna follow you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to get water baptized. I'm going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be a part of all that you have for my life. Lord, right now, from the bottom of my heart, everything you have for me, my answer is yes. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Thank you from this moment on for being my God and being my Savior for all of eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we praise God for those people right now?